Blog Talk Radio. Aw, cats. Jump back and dust off your Cadillac. You're listening to Respect for Life with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network. Blog Talk Radio, baby. Act like you already knew. Ow! gentlemen, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the first-class citizens of the world, we thank you for joining us. We thank the Most High for blessing us to be together with you in this classroom on the Keys 107 Network. I'm Brother Leroy, and once again, thankful to the Most High for blessing us with another day on this good earth, another day to do some good deeds for ourselves, our families, for our community, and for humanity, having a positive mental attitude as our focus, doing good deeds, and being assured that the universe that is the Almighty will return on those good deeds tenfold for every good deed that we do. If you don't believe that, it's better to be on this side of belief than on the side where you don't do any good deeds at all. Once again, the Keys 107 Network presents the communicators tonight, Saturday from 8 to 9, and also Tuesdays from 7 until 9. We strive to bring you guests who will share with you information that you don't get in the so-called general media. We advise all of you to support black media, whether it's on the Internet or whether it's paper or radio, electronic, etc. Support your black media because within your black media, you're going to get information that you're not going to get on CNN, NBC, Fox News, definitely, and other vehicles that we rely on. Tonight we are honored to have as our guest Dr. Frances Cress-Welsing. She is a psychiatrist operating out of Washington, D.C. For those of you who don't know, she specializes, and this is from our standpoint, not the psychiatric standpoint of her practice, she specializes in dissecting the white supremacy images and themes and messages that are covert and overt in this society. Without further ado, Dr. Francis Press Welsing, thank you for joining us. God bless you. Thank you. I'm very glad to be with you. We've asked you to join us this evening for your analysis of events surrounding Trayvon, uh, Trayvon Martin and the the aftermath of the acquittal, the kind of dialogues that we are exposed to uh, those things that we might tend to miss. Most assuredly, the media has various talking heads who deflect or misdirect individuals, and they also use symbols uh, such as uh, scowling faces of young black men and uh, the suited-up images of those who kill them or who represent the so-called other side of society. So the floor is yours, and you may proceed. Uh, Well, Brother Leroy, as you know, uh, for many, many years I have been talking about the system of racism, white supremacy. I'm the only psychiatrist in the United States who for the last 40 years has been focusing on the system of racism, white supremacy, the only psychiatrist in the entire world 
who mm-hmm. has been focusing on this dynamic. And for your listeners, I'm going to read my definition of racism and then tie that into the Trayvon Martin, uh, George Zimmerman situation. Racism, white supremacy, is a local and global power system and dynamic structured and maintained by persons who classify themselves as white, whether consciously or subconsciously determined, which consists of patterns of perception, logic, symbol formation, thought, speech, action, and emotional response as conducted simultaneously in all areas of people activity, economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war, for the ultimate purpose of white genetic survival and to prevent white genetic annihilation on planet Earth, a planet upon which the vast and overwhelming majority of people are classified as non-white, meaning black, brown, red, and yellow, by white-skinned people, and all of the non-white people are genetically dominant in terms of skin coloration compared to the genetic recessive white-skinned people. Now, this system, um, this system of white genetic survival. See, people are not accustomed to looking at racism, white supremacy. I mean, people are accustomed to thinking, oh, you can't use this fountain, you can't go in that bathroom, you can't use, uh, you know, get a loan or whatever. Racism is much more complex and complicated than that. As a total system structure, the system has existed for 500 years in this area of the world, and As I said, it has a purpose of white genetic survival, which is why it has lasted and continues to go on because it has a survival purpose for the people who practice racism, white supremacy. Now, for the purpose of white genetic survival, the black male person is perceived as the threat to white genetic survival. And so our entire history is replete with instances of people who classify themselves as white killing black male persons. And it has evolved to the point that the entire system dynamic is also responsible for black males engaging in shooting and killing one another and the use of drugs because there is massive level unemployment amongst black males as determined by the system dynamic. So Trayvon Martin is, I mean, we can't say he is the latest victim because victims are coming up every day. Just look in the newspaper, the number of black deaths, male deaths in Chicago or any city, any urban center or any rural center. So the case of Trayvon Martin, to me, uh, reflects what this dynamic is all about. It's a white person who classifies himself as white, George Zimmerman, was intent on pursuing a black male person, a black male teenager. And even though he was told to stop following the young person who was on his way home from going to the store, he persisted in following him, ultimately shooting and killing him. 
the next thing that happened, when the police came on the scene, the white police officers just accepted his story and, in effect, let him go free. It wasn't until people like Reverend Al Sharpton and company pursued the case and insisted that George Zimmerman be arrested. So the police had kind of allowed him to go free. And so then the next stage, the case comes to court, and an all-white jury of white females determines that George Zimmerman is not guilty. Now, they will try to blame it on the instructions given to the jury, whether it was manslaughter or whether it was second degree, et cetera, et cetera. No, the bottom line is that white police officers had decided to let him go. A white female jury decided that uh, George Zimmerman was not guilty. And so this is just a, a playback of the continuing record. I mean, one could look at how many cases in Florida have white men who may have killed black men, how have they been arrested, and have they been found guilty or not guilty. And so I believe that we need to broaden the context and the framework in which we, as black people, begin to understand this dynamic and not talk about hate crimes, but talk about a system of racism, white supremacy, consciously and or subconsciously designed for white genetic survival and therefore of necessity. The system has to attack black people in general but black male persons in particular. Sure. Now, with that understanding, everything that we see happening 24-7 begins sure. to fit within that dynamic framework. You see, but at the same time, sure. everybody denied that race was involved, right? The prosecutor yeah. denied that race was involved. The right. defense denied that race was involved. The judge denied that race was involved. The jury denied that race was involved. Do, do, do you see which? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. This has nothing to do with race. Everything that happens in America has to do with racism, white supremacy. Everything in America has everything to do with racism, white supremacy. And I say it's even fascinating that the word America contains within it the phrase, I am race. You know, if you take a piece of paper and write out America, and you want a phrase that uses up all the letters, it's I am race, mm. which is, to me, just profoundly interesting. Mm. So I commend uh, President Obama for finally uh, speaking up through this tragedy speaking up about racism, you see, because he started out before he became president saying it was important to talk about racism. And then the Attorney General, Eric Holder, first black Attorney General, remember when he raised the question, are we a nation of cowards being unable to talk about racism? You see, but in most instances, if a black person raises a question of racism, imagine on a TV discussion, some white person is going to jump up and say, you're playing the race card. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to talk about race. 
You're mm-hmm. playing the race card. Uh, so talking about race is forbidden unless it's in the terms that white people can accept, such as Tim Wise. I don't know if you've seen mm-hmm. him or know about him. Now, he says he's white, and he also said he's racist. Now, he doesn't take, even though he's taken system of racism from Neely Fuller and myself, he doesn't talk and carry it the analysis to the level of the fear of white genetic annihilation. Mm. And he has even uh, characterized me and my work as pseudoscientific BS. Mm. Do you see Mm. what I'm saying? But Mm. he can be used by the system of racism as a white face that pretends to be interested in the elimination of racism. But if somebody was sincerely interested in eliminating racism, white supremacy, and there were black scholars or black people who were writing about it cogently, wouldn't that person respect those black people first and foremost? Hmm. There is within white supremacy the reluctance to do exactly that. Exactly. They can't. They 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 can. They. I'll put it. And this is not to take over the discussion. We're we're having a discussion. In fact, this is a classroom, and folks will be able to join us in conversation in just a few minutes because you have put it so very plainly. And it ain't even no debate or asking questions around it, uh, from my part. But in the area of music, in the area of music they always position themselves as being the cultural leaders, regardless of what instrument or type of singing that it might be. And they set themselves up to present awards, and we validate it by looking at these award shows from people who, uh, this is me talking, they can't play the music as well as we, they can't dance as well as we, they can't write as well as we, but we look at those shows and say that so-and-so got this, so-and-so got that award, when all the while we, the spectators, are the originators of that which we're looking at. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest is Dr. Frances Press Welty. She's a psychiatrist in Washington, D.C. The telephone number is 213- Nine four three three six one eight two one three nine four three three six one eight. Hit one on your telephone keypad that lets our engineer know that you indeed have a question for Dr. Francis Quest Wilson. This is the Keys One O Seven Network. I'm Brother Leroy. Thankful to be with you. You to be with us, Dr. Quest uh, Wilson. The you you hit on the, the last few points about. Uh, what we see in these panels that they create on these shows, talking after the verdict or talking in general about so-called race and what they'll do uh, this weekend is have panels on what the president finally said and bringing up race unless it's within terms that they can accept. I need you to play that out for our audience so that we're wise to the tricks that they use to diffuse and confuse us when we're zeroing in on white supremacy as a system. Okay, well, one of the first things that I observed taking place 
is, uh, you know, in talking about uh, the outcome of the trial and when black people were showing their discontent and beginning to talk about racism, then the white commentators would say, well, wait a minute, what about the black-on-black killing? Yes. Do you see, to shift the discussion Mm. to black-on-black. But they don't, they veer away from any discussion where responsibility falls on the people who classify themselves as white. Do you see, and they dare not look at a total system structure that necessitates that they kill black mm. men for mm. the purpose of white genetic survival. Mm. See, so, so the discussion, and they would then take the discussion, well, let's talk about race relations. And mm-hmm. then they'll take the discussion to, well, race doesn't have any significance. Do you mm-hmm. see? And then the subject can be completely dropped. Mm. You see, yeah. or another tactic that they will take is to have, uh, you know, and invite three or four black people to be on the panel and then have several black people. Well, I disagree. <laughs> yeah. You see, one black person will say race is important or racism is important, and then you will, you know, several other black people will say, no, I disagree. Race is not important. We need not focus on racism, da-da-da-da-da, and then the white host sits back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the whole discussion is dismissed with what I call the black monkey show. The the black monkey show? (laughs) Do you see, we're divide and conquer. You get the black people fighting each other, which is no different than setting up gang A to fight gang B, and they both annihilate each other, and racism, white supremacy goes forward. Uh, You touched on it in terms of the number of black people. Talk about their utilization of black females, black males on those panels, and the type the type individuals, the the categories that they might fall into. What observations have you made on that? Well, you might tell me what you observe because I'm not, you know, focusing on the male and female other than if you have, you know, if the male says there's racism, then the female will say, no, there isn't. Okay. Or that's not my view. Okay. Or I'm, I'm mixed race and I don't see it that way. Right. I, I, I didn't. It's nothing in in particular except that when they set up these panels, there is, for them, when they set up panels, there is a focus that they have, the end result. And if we set up panels, we tend to get, oh, Joe, Mary, blah, 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 Uh, whereas theirs is geared to a particular outcome the same way that that case was... uh, prosecuted down in 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 Florida. So, it, it, my question really relied on your observations. Um I want to shift, but we're dealing with the same thing. What came to mind when you said blacks fighting blacks or or contending with blacks on those shows and the moderator will step in as um as uh, someone bringing peace and harmony between them. Well, so forth and so on. It reminds me of the role that Jerry Springer and Murray Povich 
and the like play. Right. Um, exactly. I'm, not getting, I'm not getting away from Trayvon, but just dissect those the, the roles, some of the roles intense of those those shows, the Jerry Springer, the Murray Povich, et cetera. Well, do you, do you see, in other words, I would look at that as orchestrating what they would call black monkey shows. Okay. Do, do you see where the black people are neutralizing each other mm-hmm. as opposed to agreeing with each, with each other? My recommendation, and usually I, if I'm asked to be on a program, I say I don't do panels. Mm. You see, you can interview me one-on-one. And years ago, I was on the Phil Donahue show, and I had just suggested to him, since people were talking about racism at that point, and I said, look, have me come on the show. I never expected him to respond. But I said, have me come on the show to talk about racism. And he indeed called me and asked me to come on the show. And I said, now, it'll just be one-on-one. It will not be a panel. Subsequent to that, Geraldo Rivera wanted me to come on and talk about race, but he said it'll be a panel. I said, I don't do panels. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I insisted, no, I will not do a panel because that's what they orchestrate and set up, black people fighting and competing with each other. In other words, you know, there can be 50 black points of view. We'll have each black person come on individually, lay out their point of view, and let the audience respond to what that person is saying. Mm-hmm. But not squabbling in all exactly. of that banter back and forth with exactly. each other. And so so when I refused to do a panel, so then he called again and said, well, we will have some prominent black people in the audience. And I said, that's the same thing. You will have set some black person up to contradict what I'm saying about racism. You see, so that's the same thing. So then he got annoyed with that. And so then they called again. Well, what, okay, fine, you can come on and talk one-on-one, but we'll have some visuals in the background. <laughs> Do you see, so you could see, I said, absolutely no. Then he got angry and hung up the phone. I said, but you see, that's the level of res- disrespect that you mm-hmm. have sh- would have shown if I came on the show. And it goes right back to, for me, it goes right back to your observations regarding Tim Wise. The intelligence factor among us, along with the steadfastness, meaning you maintain a position, is something that is very difficult for those in a white supremacy mode to uh, go along with. They, they would really have to swallow a lot of humility just to go along with your point of view. Um See, I would say that a role that Tim Wise could play as a Jewish person, if he wants to talk about racism, he should go to the state of Israel. One Jewish person going to the state of Israel and talking about the racism, white supremacy that exists in that state that calls itself a white state that Jimmy Carter talked about in his book, Peace or Apartheid. Do you see, that is a good role for Mr. Wise if he wants to talk about racism. 
Mm. You see, as opposed to his dominant activity coming amongst black people mm. and posing as the white savior. Mm. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason we invited Sister Frances Cress Walsing on is because of the energy and the clarity that you hear her with her this evening. And not enough of us reach out and get Sister Frances Quest Walsing or Brother Neely Fuller on their shows and just sit back and listen and let the classroom unfold. Telephone number 213-943-3618-213-943-3618. And for those of you who have friends who may be busy this evening, not in the position to listen to the program, they can always go into the Keys 107 network and put in the communicators and pull the show up out of the archives. And going to white genetic survival, when you go among your friends in the, in the when I say friends, your peers in the psychiatric area, psychiatrists, what, what reluctance might you find among them to embrace what you purport as as white supremacy, genet- uh, black annihilation, and or do they say, you know, I, I do this, I believe exactly what you're saying, uh, Dr. Welsing, but um, I can't say it in public because of the nature of my practice, uh, et cetera. How many... In essence, how many or how often do you find fellow psychiatrists, black psychiatrists agreeing with you? How often do you find that um, they just don't understand or shy away from your point of view? Well, I have given a paper on racism, white supremacy since 1970 at the National Medical Association section on psychiatry. As I said, every year since 1970, except for one year. Mm. And so I'm giving all of the papers that you find in the ISIS papers, mm. are papers that were first presented to mm. my colleagues in psychiatry at the National Medical Association, which is a black medical mm-hmm. uh, association. Mm-hmm. And I just recently got a call, not long ago, got a call from one of my colleagues in California and uh, something had come up on the horizon. See, in a system of racism, it's always some racism event that pops up on the horizon. And so this colleague called me and said, Francis, this is what you've been telling us about for 40 years. Mm. Do you see? So my colleagues have listened to me and I may have one of the uh, largest attendances of any session, any mm. presentation at the National Medical Association. You know, people coming to hear the discussion or what I might have to present. Mm-hmm. You see, but the field of psychiatry beyond the National Medical Association, and that's not to say that every person, every black psychiatrist, is in agreement, but if I went back to 1969, going back in our history as black psychiatrists, in 1969, the black psychiatrists in the American Psychiatric Association 
said racism is the number one mental health problem and the number one cause of all other mental health problems. That was the position of black psychiatrists in 1969. Now, since that time, there has been, you know, there hasn't been a great acceptance on the part of the broader group, the national, you know, American psychiatrists. They have not accepted that. As, uh, you know, they have, of course, I mean, they are a reflection of uh, American uh, society as a whole or the white collective as a whole where racism is minimized. I mean, it's just like the people who are, you know, people who are listening to the president talk about his experience and being followed in a department store or in a store as a black man and to have so-called intelligent white people. Oh, my goodness, really? Does that kind of thing happen? Oh, we never heard of that. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind it. of denial. So mm-hmm. I'm saying that the major mental health problem in America is not racism as much as it is the denial. Uh, the denial of racism is a psychopathology. Mm. Mm. See, racism is the system. We don't have a democracy. I mean, that's a good idea, but the reality is we have a system of racism, white supremacy. Anybody who doesn't believe it, just turn on your television set. And you see white, 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 white. Mm-hmm. You see, or well, then you can see some black people clowning, mm-hmm. climbing on tables and acting simple-minded and silly. Mm-hmm. And white, mm-hmm. white, 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 white. Open any magazine. White, 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 white. Do you see, or if you see blacks in a magazine at the checkout, do you see you see somebody looking monstrous with tattoos all over their body? Mm. And the movie that just came out with, um, gosh, don't remember the title, but it's the one with Chris Rock in it. This the bus, the ads on the bus sides of buses here in New York have four male images, and uh, Chris Rock is the one that's scowling, um, as they do in, uh, you know, the the rapper's scowl. See, uh, again, I mean, it's just like, see, we don't understand racism, so black people can be paid to do anything, and they think that they're engaging in just abstract entertainment as Mm. opposed to, doing something that they have been told and programmed to do that will maintain the system of racism and white supremacy. What did, you know, George Zimmerman's uh, defense was, you know, well, they are gangsters and they're thugs. Right. Or they're criminals. And so what do we have being said in the so-called rap, or at least a major segment of that, talking about gangsters and thugs and using the N-word and the B-word and all the other you know, words that should be spoken out clearly so mm-hmm. everybody understands exactly what uh, is being talked about. 
You see, but all of that I maintain is psychological programming within the system. If somebody studied the history of Nazi Germany, they would find out that before Adolf Hitler killed six million people who he said were not white, and so therefore he was going to kill them because they were not white in a white supremacy state, He had negative images of them in magazines and movies to condition the minds of the German people, that Mm. these people were subhuman. The German word is Tiermensch, animal people. Uh, What what is that? What is the German word? Yeah, the German word. Tier, T-I-E-R, Mensch, M-E-N. S-C-H. So, you see, which means subhuman. And this is the way we are portrayed as black men are being incarcerated and being unemployed and uneducated and removed from families. And so we are really in a condition of genocide but not realizing it. Dr. Dr. Francis, hold on while we go to some announcements. And uh, after those announcements, callers are still welcome to join in the conversation, 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. Hit 1 on your telephone keypad. That lets our engineer know that you have a question. Our guest online is Dr. Francis Quest Wilson, psychiatrist in Washington, D.C., the author of the ISIS Papers. Stay tuned. We will be right black. I'm waiting for our engineers to join in, and uh, if they don't join in in a half a minute, the telephone number 213-943-3618, and we're going to continue on. The... The study of what Hitler and the Nazis did in Germany is something that we are very interested in from the standpoint of the model that they used. And and I don't know, I haven't come across that many psychiatrists. I'm not going to say that. Sorry. I haven't come across blacks who can tell us you're the first one to go into a little piece of that, who can tell us exactly what they did because that kind of situation, as you pointed out, is being replicated here in America with us on a very subtle, on a very covert level. Just go more back co- and... Right. It's more, it's more hidden yeah. if you don't understand. And this is why I say to people... Reading is more important than watching TV. Reading is more important than watching TV. See, you can go in a bookstore or you can go in a library and they will have tens of thousands of books. Mm -hmm. And you can walk around and walk amongst those books in the different um, sections and just pick a book from the shelf. Let me take a look at this. Mm-hmm. You see, but if you're just watching TV, you can only look at what somebody decided to present. Beautiful. 
And so you're, or, or even worse, I tell people that looking at the iPhones and the iPads, you see where your focus is just on a little tiny screen. And your perception of the world becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. So, you know, to make that point, so somebody is walking down the street and walks out into the street and gets hit by the car because they are oblivious mm-hmm. to the environment around them. Mm-hmm. And the brain is being stimulated by that light and flicking lights and changing colors. So you become addicted and you just are looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and you're not focusing on the wider world. See, I'm talking about a a broad, system-wise look at the system of racism, white supremacy. You see, and if you're not looking broadly or reading broadly, and buying three or four newspapers a day mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. looking at them, conservative, so-called liberal. See, even even that terminology, nobody ever says conservative about what? Yes. Conservative about white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Liberal, more liberal about white supremacy. That means laugh and play with black people. Mm-hmm. Have sex with black people. Mm. But keep practicing racism, white supremacy. Have you? I'm not going to ask you specifically. What have you seen on TV? What movies may you have seen that have images that we need to know about? In other words, um, something in the in the film that was either covert or overt that you can share with us. Well, I I don't go to the movies. Okay. I, I can't even tell you when I was last at a movie because it annoys me just sitting. You know, in other words, if black people are in it and black people don't have any understanding of racism, white supremacy, then they are just victims of white supremacy in the film. I don't need to go and look at that. Got it. I'm not going to pay and go and look at it, but there are there are films that have I have a, a lecture series in an institute there's just people coming once a month and hearing a lecture and it's free to the public here in D.C. and so some of the students who come to the institute tell me about different movies that they've seen and the expressions of racism white supremacy that are in the films so if you get accustomed to Understanding racism and white supremacy, you'll be able to pick it out. Beautiful. Uh, do, do you see? But I just do not uh, spend a lot of time at this point going to films. You know, sitting and looking. It just it doesn't come high on my use of time. Have you had the occasion to see the TV series Scandal? No, but again, case in point. Do you see, people have talked about it. Mm-hmm. You see, in other words, what what's the message in that film? What is yes. different, do you see, than a black woman being used by a white man in a sexual situation that's different than formal slavery? Mm. Mm. <laughs> 
he's not an equal. Mm. What would Do you make see, her nor are black men in in relationships with uh, white women. Okay, uh, yet in looking at scandal and going back a few years back, there were uh, black actresses complaining that they could be in sex scenes with white men in the movies and the films and that sort of thing. And um, the when you say not as in, the woman in Scandal, is the, the, the character in, in, in Scandal is not an equal, sub, subliminally, this is me saying that, subliminally our women are taking it in as an equal. Am I right on that? Well, see, again, you know, we don't understand racism. And and just like when we were in formal slavery, being beaten and raped and brutalized on a daily basis, the desire was, see, the person who is imprisoned and being tortured, the wish is one day they will wake up and the warden will like them. One day they will wake up and the slave master will like them. Mm. Black people are still in that cycle because the system of racism has given them the image of God as a white man. Mm. You see, so black people subconsciously want white approval so they can ultimately get into heaven. This is the programming under racism, white supremacy. This is just like Neely Fuller says, when a black man is poor, he wants a job. When he gets a job, he wants luxuries. When he gets luxuries, he wants a white woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see, that, now, you know, once a person begins to understand the mm-hmm. dynamic of oppression, uh, you know, people, somebody was telling me about uh, one of the marches that was going on about Trayvon Martin, and somebody had a sign like they had 50 years ago, I am a man. Yes. Do you see? Well, the only way that a person has to announce it is to feel that they are not a man, which is why under white supremacy we call the white man who? The man, not a man. Mm. The man. Mm. Meaning the only man on the scene is the white man. You see, and now the system wants black men to put on dresses. So Mm -hmm. taking away the masculinity from the black man is also a major part of the system of racism, white supremacy. If all the men can be turned into women, then the white men and the white collective don't have to worry about white genetic annihilation. (laughs) Just go over that again. Go, Go hit that again. In other words, if the males can be effeminized, and that's not that difficult once you take fathers out of the home and out significantly out of a given community, so it's only women, then you are on this road of effeminizing the males. Mm. You see, but if the males are effeminized and they move continually on that scale, then the system of racism, white supremacy, as a system for white genetic survival, the white collective consciously, subconsciously, doesn't have to worry about white genetic annihilation. Mm. 
Because the males will be having so-called sexual relations with other males. Do you see? And then one goes to Morehouse, which is supposed to be the capstone of black male education, and the president has to come out and tell the black male students that there will be no wearing of dresses and high heel shoes and carrying pocketbooks. Damn. Man. Hmm. The the at this See, so I tell people it's like I say to people in my office, don't say you're stupid, don't say you're dumb, just say this is fascinating. And so that you are free to think about well this is interesting. This evolution of behavior or this programming of certain be- patterns of behavior to serve an ultimate goal objective. The goal objective is white genetic survival, local, national, global. Hmm. Am I feeding into that? Am I not feeding into that? Am I feeding into black genetic survival? Well, see, if we don't understand, and this is why I say, see, in other words, if a population is fearful of its genetic annihilation, then it ultimately genocides that population that it's fearful of. Mm. See, when you destroy men, you have committed genocide on those people. Mm. We call it through the back door. (laughs) (laughs) Howsoever. Howsoever, when you when you look at the measures that we can begin to implement that safeguard us from falling into the traps of white supremacy, going along with it, looking for approval, um, those things, getting away from those things that lead to psychiatric problems, which we didn't touch on at all. What are what are some of the solutions that we can begin to implement within ourselves, within our families, and then spreading out to the community that would begin to safeguard us against falling victim to white supremacy on the on the on the mental level, the battle for the mind. Okay, if you don't want to fall victim to losing a football game, the mm. first thing you have to do is understand the game. If you don't want to fall victim to being checkmated at a chess game or a tournament, you have to understand chess. To not want to fall victim to victimization in a system of racism and white supremacy, you have to understand exactly and specifically what the system is. No different than if a doctor encounters cancer, the doctor has to know exactly what that is in order to potentially treat and cure the patient and prevent the patient from dying. See, but we don't have a single major organization so-called with all the good intentions to help black people move forward that talks in depth about understanding racism and white supremacy. Mm. Why? 
because those organizations are funded by people who classify themselves as white, mm-hmm. who say we don't want you focusing on that. Mm-hmm. If you do, then we certainly can't continue to support you. And if you do, they classify you as racist, anti Well, see, you've got to have a definition. In other words, black people cannot be racist. They are victims of racism. To be a racist, to be a white, you know, to be in power over other people. A black person can stand on the corner and say they hate white people 24 hours a day. They don't have any control over the lives of white people. Mm. Racism implies having power over the existence, over the total existence. Mm. See, that, I mean, that implies the president, too. The president has had more death threats than all of the presidents before him combined. Mm. And I know each and every day he has to concern himself not only about his, even though he may not admit it, he has to concern himself about life and death, life and death of his wife, life and death of his children. Hmm. I mean, have they assassinated presidents in the past? Yes, indeed. Did Lincoln get assassinated because he was tilting the Hmm. racial situation, Hmm. creating the Civil War? Hmm. Hmm. Amen. When you, when you, as we wind down, when you, first of all, the telephone number 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618, you can join in the conversation before we conclude it. When you look at, or when we look at institutions such as the police department in the Northeast, and the police department's are dominated by a particular ethnic group within the Caucasian framework. And they tend to have a history of animosity against blacks, uh, both as victims and both as uh, keeping blacks out of the ranks or utilizing uh, what I would call coloreds uh, who speak a different language and who don't necessarily identify themselves as black, but they would probably or possibly put on their census uh, form white. What, what, if anything, do you see in that study for us to understand the nature of what we're dealing with in these police departments and the people who run them? Well, if the system is racism, white supremacy, what is the job assignment of police that's a question is it not to protect the system that's why that's why when uh you know white police officer kills a black man what does it say justifiable homicide Am I making any sense? Hello? Hello? 
Hello. Dr. Welsing. Yes, when did you cut out? Uh, when you began to go into your response to my question, and then the uh, then the sound dropped. So if you could go back into your response. I asked the question, in a system of racism, white supremacy, what is the role of a police officer? Okay. I mean, okay. in any system, what is the role of a police officer? Hmm. To, to protect the system. That's right. Period. You see, so even in many instances, or shall I say some instances, hopefully few, if a black man joins a police force and he wants to be accepted, he finds himself having to mistreat black men. Exactly. Otherwise, and he's not true blue. Right. It's very simple. Therefore, we see we see in situations where police gather for an incident, they will take or the Caucasians might come up second, and they are not overranked. They're not in a rank over the black guys or black women, but they'll take over the uh, discussion as though they were a lieutenant or a captain. And the blacks will move to the back, move off to the side, while these guys, quote, take control. I've seen that. Now, maybe there are people who haven't seen that, but I've seen that. Um, on stop and frisk, in New York, they, they've had hundreds of thousands of stop and frisk under the guise of of uh, controlling crime, et cetera. And the the huge majority, not even majority, the overwhelming uh, number of stops are... Black and brown. Well, they, they don't pick up any weapons and that sort of thing. And um, I, I feel, Brother Leroy feels that it, replicate something that the Nazis did, but I'm not a student of that piece yet. Well, you see, in other words, the system, this is what stands your ground. And the different, look at what the Supreme Court did. The Supreme Court recently nullified voting rights. Yes. Diminished affirmative action. Mm Mm-hmm said it's going to be difficult, more difficult to prove racial discrimination. Mm-hmm. So the Supreme Court is setting the tone mm-hmm. of removing the rights and the protections for black people. Okay. The next thing that happens is the decision in the Trayvon Martin killing. Mm-hmm. In other words, to destroy, and now the fight is going on, I think that the majority of states, if I'm not wrong, are adopting various forms of the stand your ground. But like the president asked the question in his talk, does a Trayvon Martin or does a black man have the right to say, I'm standing my ground? So that if some white person is chasing him, 
Would he walk away saying I was standing my ground? Now, every sane black person knows the answer to that. So this is the this is why we have to talk about racism, white supremacy, responsible people who classify themselves as white, who say they are not racist, then they have to begin to put in check the people who classify themselves as white who are practicing racism, white supremacy. And I say to many times, um, I'm asked, I said, well, you know, as far as history reports, there's only been one John Brown. Mm, yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> now, you see, but again, this is, but see, I say that the best defense that black people have is to talk specifically about racism. What it is, as Neely Fuller said, if you do not understand white supremacy racism, what it is and exactly how it works, everything Mm -hmm. else that you think you understand will only confuse you, which Mm -hmm. is why black people walk around saying, hey, what's happening? Every person Mm -hmm. they meet, they say, what's happening? Because we Mm -hmm. don't know what's going on. Mm. Dr. Welsing, we are going to go to a commercial break. And for the audience, we have lots and lots of listeners out there that uh, the computer shows that they're listening. We're going to, after the commercial, if there are no more questions, we're going to get concluding remarks from you. But after the commercials, the listening audience has the opportunity, once again, to hit one on your telephone keypad, 213 Nine four three three six one eight two one three nine four three three six one eight, and then hit one on your telephone pad, and you will be in line to ask the question of Dr. Francis Crest Wilson. She's the author of the ISIS Papers. You can also see various presentations of Dr. Wilson on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, what we have learned is that the computer is not responding to the instruction to give the commercials that we normally have, and we will conclude with Dr. Frances Quest Welsing, who's been great enough to give her insights and analysis of the Trayvon Martin killing by um, Mr. Zimmerman and the acquittal. One of the questions I didn't ask, uh, I'm sorry, 
943-3618. Hit one on your telephone keypad. That indicates that you have a question. Dr. Welsing, what observations did you make with the comments of the juror, B37, I think it was, on the um, the Anderson Cooper uh, show on CNN? What, if any, observations did you make regarding the contents and the tone of her uh, her answers to uh, Mr. Cooper? I would just have to say the most important thing uh, that she said, as far as I'm concerned, is that uh, race wasn't discussed. You see, but if you have a room with six white people in it and one white person is being accused of killing a black person, racism is in that room. I don't Mm -hmm. care whether they mentioned it or not. Mm-hmm. Racism is in that room. In other words, there were not three white people and three black people. Mm-hmm. Racism was in that room, making drawing a conclusion about the innocence or guilt of a white male person who had killed a black male person. And you see, if one just looked at all of the cases in the history of the southern states, what are jury verdicts that have come down over the years in relationship to white men being accused of killing a black man or killing a black person? Yes. You know, Doc, there, there is, I didn't get the whole story. I was on the Internet today. And there is a video, uh, there's some trial going on or has gone on regarding a Caucasian. I mean, they have the video right there uh, confronting a young brother, a neighbor, 17-year-old neighbor, and uh, the the discussion or talk between, he comes out of his house with a gun in his hand, and then he winds up shooting at the young, young man, and the young man runs up the block, and uh, the the edit on the video said that he was killed, uh, 17 years old. But I don't know what state it is. Uh, the website that I saw it on for the audience is www.dailymail.co.uk. Daily Mail, M-A-I-L, dot C-O dot U-K. Um, is that the United Kingdom or yeah, is United that in the Kingdom. States or is that in, in Britain? It's a British uh, uh, paper that has a website that relates to American and American stories primarily. I see. I and see. it's just by dailymail.co.uk. And they have a lot of, uh, they have a, a, a a lot of different stories on that website. You'll find a lot of things maybe two or three days in advance before they get into the Washington Post or in New York into the Daily Paper. Um, the the understanding, talking specifically about white supremacy, racism, and the Dr. Edwin Nichols, who's a psychologist in Washington, D.C., He says we do not politicize our children early enough. 
to safeguard them from the white supremacy that they'll run into in the classroom. And um, he talks what you say in terms of, of giving them an understanding of how white supremacy works. Uh, where do parents start, those who are listening, where do parents start? In fact, let me go back. In the papers following the acquittal of Zimmerman, they had in, in a, a paper here in New York, a free paper. In that paper, they had three black mothers, and each one of them was agonizing on how they would explain the acquittal to their children, to their son, to their children. Uh, to me, it's cut and dried, but get into the mind of of those those women. What's going on there that makes it agonizing for them to come with a straightforward assessment to their children as to what happened in that court, what happened in the whole event? Well, um, I have had over the years... Uh, Black parents, uh, usually mothers, say, uh, do I have to teach my child about racism? You know, saying it with regret and not wanting to do it. And, again, this is because, you know, maybe going back to formal enslavement, as I just mentioned earlier, where black people are still prayerfully in hope that people who classify themselves as white will love them mm. and and be kind to them. And especially since they have been given under white supremacy an image of God as a white man and without realizing it and calling that my Savior. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so to t- talk realistically not idealistically, realistically, about the reality is very difficult. Now, a second factor is that many times these are single-parent females. Okay. And there's no male in the home to function as a provider, a guider, and a protector. Okay. Do, Do you see? So it becomes very difficult. The mother is overwhelmed. I talked to a person in my office this week, a black mother, a second son in an encounter with the police where he hadn't done anything but was kept in jail for four days, and she had a previous son who had been killed. The mother was still in post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. And what could have happened to the second son? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being mistreated and falsely charged by police officers. Mm-hmm. Do you see? Mm-hmm. So the the women can be justifiably frightened and nervous and afraid, whereas on the other hand, white families are taking their children to the gun shows. Hmm. Hmm. And Anderson Cooper on CNN had, when he was talking uh, some months ago, maybe it's been a year ago, about children learning about race, 
and where he showed a modified uh, study of Kenneth Clark's uh, doll study, you know, children selecting which doll, and they had a, a series of faces, same face but different color from black to white. And asking a three-year-old white child, which which child which face is bad? And the child, without hesitation, at age three, points to black. Mm. Which child is ugly? Without hesitation, points to black. Which one do you not want to be friends with? Point to black. Three years mm. of age. Mm. Then they had black children slightly older, the same series of face, same face, but different skin complexions. Which child is ugly? The black child points to black. Which child is dumb? The black child points to black. Which child is bad? The black child points to black. Which means that the black child and the white child are being totally programmed by the system of racism, white supremacy. The white child is programmed to believe he's smart, handsome, but the black child is ugly and bad and dumb, and the black child learns that black is bad, ugly, and dumb. Because black parents are more in a state of wishful expectancy than in teaching reality. Mm. Wishful expectancy versus teaching reality. See, we don't even talk about Dr. Martin Luther King. I mean, the system has, you know, said, well, we're going to describe Dr. Martin Luther King as having a dream. Dr. Martin Luther King said if someone were to ask about him after his demise, what should be said is that I was a drum major for justice. Mm. Mm. See, when you're dreaming, you're not in touch with reality. Mm. Even if you are daydreaming, you're not in touch with reality. Mm. But Dr. Mm. Martin Luther King gave his life mm. to be a drum major for justice. Mm. But we allow other people to select the terminology mm-hmm. and to call him a dreamer. Mm. 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 See, I say Trayvon Martin gave his life, mm-hmm. hoping that we as black people will wake up and have courage and self-respect to face the force that killed him. Mm. Mm. Very good, my sister. This is a continuing series of conversations that we will have with you, the good Lord willing. I want to thank you very much for your time. And, oh, thank you uh, for having me. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I tell you, you've been it, the the this discussion was really over in fifteen minutes when you when you gave the breakdown. 
I'm searching around for questions, and um, this has been good. The audience has been attentive. The We may have had problems uh, patching them through for their questions, but be that as it may, they will take the information and pass it on to their friends and relatives going into the archives. This is probably one of the most popular shows uh, in a month from now that we will have had. Once again, thank you for your work. God bless you and keep you and your family. Thank you very much. Same to you. Mm -hmm. Good night. Good night, ma'am. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, just some of you joined in this conversation just just after uh, viewing Minister Farrakhan at NOI.org, I would advise those of you who may not have known about his presentation to go to NOI.org and hit the time and what must be done, the making of the devil, part two. You want to get in that into that, that coincides with the discussion that we just had. The Final Call newspaper also has transcripts of the minister's presentations. That way you can study it, underline it, ask questions, and eventually get those questions to Minister Farrakhan on Twitter. Dick Gregory Dick Gregory uh, is scheduled to be on our show Tuesday evening, this coming Tuesday evening, and also Utrice Lee. Those of you who are aware of the New York market, Eutrice Lead is one of the most outstanding black journalists or just say outstanding journalists that is in America at this time. And they will be on Tuesday night. We're on from 7 until 9. And Dick Gregory will be coming into New York, Harlem. That is a week from today at the Moss on 127th Street in Harlem. For ticket information, give me a ring, Brother Leroy. 347 is a fundraiser for Mosque Number 7. The Fruit of Islam is sponsoring the event. They're bringing in Dick Gregory. Those of you who know about Dick Gregory, you can have the opportunity of asking questions across the board. Those of you who don't know who Dick Gregory is, you're in for a treat. He is one of our staunchest human rights workers and advocates. He's put his life on the line, his money on the line. He is straight with no chaser. That's next Saturday, July 27th at Muhammad's Mosque, number 7, and that's at 127th Street and Malcolm X Boulevard around the corner from Sylvia's Restaurant. That's at 5 p.m. Give me a ring. 347-928-6441 or email me at LeroyBTM at MSN.com. LeroyBTM at MSN.com. I want to thank our engineers, Brother Anthony, Brother Sadat, Sister Rafika, Brother James, and all others for making this program possible. And may God bless each and every one of you in the audience May he bless us with a blessed Ramadan. Those of you who are not pursuing Ramadan, many blessings out to you and your family for your support of the Keys 107 Network. Have a very beautiful evening and a very beautiful Sunday. Peace. Oh, cats. 
jump back and dust off your Cadillac. You're listening to Respect for Life with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network. Blog Talk Radio, baby. Act like you already knew. Ow! Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the final call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the final call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. Rafika Consultants and Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, Oh 
Aw, cats. Jump back and dust off your Cadillac. You're listening to Respect for Life with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network. Blog Talk Radio, baby. Act like you already knew. Ow!